Well, good morning, everybody. Great to be together. Uh, I'm going to guess that 95% of us have asked this question at some stage. How on earth did I get on this list of emails coming into my inbox? Um, somebody seems to think that I need to lose my love handles. I need better skin, thicker hair, baby powder, collagen powder, all kinds of powder, car loans, home loans, home equity loans, low interest loans, no interest loans, higher interest loans going up right now. And then you ask the question, how did they find me? How did they find my information? How did they get my email address? The latest one that came into the Cullen household was Silver Singles. <laughs> Excuse me. There's barely any silver up here at all. And I married the best looking girl in all of Michigan. So I'm married. Welcome to our brand new series, Unsubscribe. And really, it's that little hidden button at the very back end of an email that comes your way where you can click on it if you can find it and they promise that now they won't send you any more stuff if you click unsubscribe. Although secretly, I actually wonder if you click it, if they're like, ha now we know that they're reading our emails. Let's send them more. I don't know. Next six weeks, starting today, are going to be very practical. And I hope that you walk away today and every single week with a tangible means by which you can opt out and unsubscribe from something that is not doing you any good in your life. And I'm going to describe some of these things to you now in just a moment. And what's going to happen is I'm, everyone online, Alma, Mount Pleasant, you're going to go, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I am very familiar with experiencing some negative stuff in my life. And some of it we, we kind of do to ourselves a little bit. And instead, we're going to subscribe, we're going to replace it, and we're going to sign up for just the, the God way of life, something very, very positive and healthy for your life. It's going to be very, very practical. So, the, for example, an insatiable appetite just for more. And we've talked about this many times, but it's such a prevalent thing in our lives. I, I want to buy more things, own more things, possess more things. I want to have stuff in my life. And then an inability sometimes to say, I've had enough. So how do we unsubscribe from more, more, more to saying, actually, I'm capable of saying, I have enough in my life. Unsubscribe from noise and constant stimulus. And we're fairly addicted to this stuff at this stage in our lives. And instead, to subscribe, to sign up, say, I'm going to have some quiet. I'm going to experience some peace in my life. Now, you look at this world. Would you say that's a, a relevant thing today? I would, say that, that, I would say that is huge in our lives today. To unsubscribe from hurry and frantic activity and going 100 miles an hour all the time and instead to sign up for some rest. These are the kinds of things that we're going to be looking at and it's the kinds of things that we face all of the time. I want to introduce you to a favorite author of mine by the name of Dallas Willard. Listen to what he said. He says, hurry, he calls it the great enemy of spiritual life. Christian man. The great enemy of spiritual life. That's funny. I would have probably put 50 other things in there before I would have put hurry. And then very bluntly, he said this. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Again, I can think of some really bad vices that are out there and things that I've dabbled in myself. And I'm like, surely these things are, worry, are worse than hurry. 
Is it possible that you have signed up and subscribed for just way too much? And that that actually has become like an underlying fault line in your life. Perhaps you don't even realize it because everybody's doing it. Because it's completely normal. In fact, if you met somebody that wasn't in a barrage of noise and hurry and more, you'd be shocked to meet a person like that. It's become so commonplace. And yet we see an epidemic today of burnout, loneliness, a crescendo of anxiety. If we truly are oversubscribed, what is that doing to you? What is it doing to your marriage? What is it doing to your family or to your children? You look at the political polarization in this world today. It's like people are incapable of listening to each other. That just seems to be a, a non-existent factor at all. Perhaps Dallas Willard is onto something. There's another fellow by the name of John uh, Cormer. He's a, he's a, this is his quote. He says, pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blockades in our spiritual lives and our general well-being. He says, I believe that the call to follow Jesus is a call to slow down. I don't think many people think like that. This statement is actually at the heartbeat of our local church. We want to lead people into a focused life with Jesus Christ. It's part of our mission statement. The idea that you might match the pace of your life to the Jesus life. To take what he has described in the New Testament, he has this phrase, he calls it an easy yoke. And a, a yoke is like this burden that you would place on an animal, a farm animal. Oftentimes people are looking for the easy life. I've never met the easy life. I, I don't know that I've ever experienced that. But I have experienced the easy yoke with Jesus. That's two very different things. The way of Jesus is slow. The way of Jesus is unhurried. The way of Jesus is open to interruption. Anybody like to be open to interruption? No hands are going up. I think the way of Jesus is relaxed. I think it is present with God. Present with people. And then in terms of your physical well-being and your mental well-being and your emotions. Same author, Dallas Willard, one more time. He says, you must arrange your days so that you are experiencing total contentment joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. Let me read it one more time. You must arrange your days so that you are experiencing total contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. So the burden is actually on me and you. You and I are responsible for the condition of our soul. You are the one who has the capacity to say yes and the capacity to say no. We have that ability. So much that enters into our life. We say no when we should say yes. We say yes when we should say no. You are the keeper of your own well-being. You are responsible for your own mental, physical, and emotional well-being. And the good news is we have this incredible faithful God who wants to take us by the hand and help us and to speak into this and into your life today. Today, specifically, what we're going to unsubscribe from is this from distracted to being present. So who am I talking to today? 
I'm talking to workaholics. I'm talking to people with jam-packed schedules. Go on, give us a hands up. Alma, Mount Pleasant, online. Give us a hands up. Anyone here has a jam-packed schedule right now? I would actually put two hands up. It's jam-packed. That's the truth. I'm talking to people who are addicted to their phones. Come on, let me see the hands. Addicted to phones. Half of you are lying right now. 2016 was the earliest study that I could find. I think the number may have doubled. In 2016, they did a study to see how many times in a given day does a typical person touch their phone. You ready for this number? 2,617. I bet you that number has doubled. That's 2016. That's an old number. I'm talking about people today, let me describe you, who are a little bit on edge. You are easily irritated, you are stressed, and somehow, so many of us have fooled ourselves into thinking, and this is so true of me, if I can just get through this next season, if I can just get that thing done at work, if I could just get that project over with, and then things will settle down. I never seem to notice that things never seem to settle down. Then I'll be at peace. Then there will be serenity and harmony and all will be well. Then I will spend t quality time with my loved ones. Then I will read the Bible. Then I will relax. Then I will catch my breath. What we don't really like to think about is why are we that way? Why are we running around so fast? Why are we distracted constantly? The motive behind this busyness and activity is not a love of God. It is not a love oftentimes of the gospel or the kingdom of God. Oftentimes, it is greed or accolades I want people to notice me and see me. It is a, not, a desire to have possessions and to accumulate. It is accomplishments. It is reputation. Look at me. And I'm telling you, what we're talking about, it kind of feels like it could be innocent enough and harmless enough. Oh, what's the big deal if I'm kind of busy? I think it's a greater enemy than you give it credit. If I were to ask you right now to list, if you were to be honest enough, Say, just write them down. List your flaws and your problems and your vices, like the weaknesses that you know that you have. I doubt many of you would elevate this idea of being a distracted and hurried person. You probably wouldn't even make the list. But I actually think that it's worse than you might imagine. Because when you are that way, particularly on a normal basis, I'll tell you what you will not do. When you are a distracted, hurried person, you will not spend quiet time with your God. You simply won't do it because you're in too much of a hurry. It will not happen. When you are that way, you won't hear the voice of God in your life. How could you possibly hear the voice of God? There is so much noise coming your way. You will not get on the floor and roll around with your kids and play games. You won't look deeply into your spouse's eyes and listen to them and ask them questions and know them. You won't serve. You won't give. And it's not because you don't want to do any of those things. It's not because you don't believe in any of those things. It's because, quite frankly, you are simply too preoccupied. You are spinning too many plates. You are mentally fatigued. You are thrown about. And all of those things are simply passing you by. When you're distracted, your soul is cut off from the source of life, God. When you're distracted and hurried, and you're chasing your tail, and you're pursuing a hundred responsibilities and agendas, and therefore, what you're not pursuing is God. Do you know what the biblical word is when we put 
anything before God. Yes, it's idolatry. And I think that's what's wrapped up in this series. I think it's this hidden, unknown idolatry. Not so much that we go home and bow down to some statue. No, but in a very real sense, we find ourselves so preoccupied and overstimulated that we can't possibly hear from God or just enjoy God. That's actually idolatry. Ruth Haley Barton wrote a little list. There's about eight or nine things. And I want you to do this checklist with me right now. And this is a checklist to see if you are a distracted person. So I want you to make a mental checklist where you're going to go, yep, that's me. No, and maybe not that one. Oh, yeah, these two are me. And see where you find yourself. First one, irritable or hypersensitivity. Do not look at your spouse right now. <laughs> set off kind of quickly, set off easily. You're bothered by other people. You get upset quickly. Secondly, restlessness. So even on your day off, even if you're sitting in the sunshine, drinking your coffee, there's still something that you're like, I got to get up and I got to do stuff. Compulsive overworking. There's always more to do. Always. Emotional numbness. I don't have the capacity to extend my heart into the situation of the life of another person. Escapist behaviors. Binge watching TV on the phone. Gaming till 3 o'clock in the morning. Disconnected from your identity and calling. You're kind of forgetting who you are. You're forgetting what's most important, what you want to be about in your life. Not able to attend to human needs, so you're not sleeping well. You're not eating well. You're not exercising. Hoarding your energy. You're literally saying, I can't afford to get up and to expend energy in this and this and this because I don't have it to give because I have to do these other things. I, I have no more energy to spend. And then slippage in our spiritual practices. Time with God. Just closeness with Jesus. Maybe opening up the Bible. Praying for your loved ones. Now, if, if that's you, it's costing you something. And here's what you will be unable to do. And this is sort of a mega statement for today. Here's what you will be stopped and prevented and hindered. They'll literally be, these become an obstacle in your life from doing this. It is your capacity to give and receive love in relationship to God. Now, I have to say that again. Your capacity to give and receive love in a relationship with God and other people. Now, here's why that statement right there is not a trivial statement. Because the whole point of it all, the whole point of the kingdom of God, of the ministry of Jesus, of creation and redemption and rebirth and transformation and discipleship, the whole point of it all is so that you could actually be a conduit of love towards other people and that you would love and enjoy God in your life. It's actually considered in the bracket of what I would describe as greatest it's described as the greatest. Your capacity to give and receive love in relationship to God and other people. If you're not doing that, you're not living your life. You're busy. It's noisy. You're going 100 miles an hour. You're probably getting a ton of stuff done. You're probably spinning plates. It probably looks impressive, but you're not doing what you were born to do, to love God and to love people. It really is in the category of greatest. What is the greatest command? What is the greatest thing that you could do with your life? Matthew 22, Jesus replies, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That is the first and greatest commandment. 
And the second is like it. I want you to love your neighbor. All the law and the prophets hang on these two statements, these two commandments. You can't love people distracted. I've tried. It doesn't work very well. You can't love people in a hurry. It's terribly difficult to be loved by God when you're in too much of a hurry for Him. So what do we do? How do we become obedient to God in all of this? Well, I would say half of the battle is simply recognizing that condition within you. That it's so common, that it's so normal. And what's happened, and I mentioned this, is we've become so accustomed to it, we actually become somewhat numb to this way of living. We actually can't remember things any other way. So in His presence today, I want to ask you right now, with the help of the Holy Spirit, would you simply, even as you're just listening to me right now, would you just acknowledge that's a reality in my life? I'm just spinning too many plates. I'm going 100 miles an hour. I recognize that distracted condition within me. Perhaps in this moment, the Holy Spirit would actually bring that to your awareness. And then something inside of you would simply say, rather than feeling bad about it, saying, God, thank you for caring for me so much that you would show me that today. Thank you for your faithfulness. The second half of the battle is, how do I move away from that? How do I move away from just being, you know, just distracted all the time? I'm doing a thousand things. And how do I move towards actually being present? Present with people and present with God. We find in that very first garden, in the first book of the Bible, we find that there is this man and this woman, and they are deliberately hiding from God. God would not be denied. So what does he do? He actually goes after them. Maybe you know the story. Maybe the story is yours as well. Adam and Eve are hiding, hiding from God. And he calls out to them, where are you? Now, I don't think for a second that God actually didn't know where they physically were. I don't think that's what he's asking. What God was really asking, what he's revealing to them is, where are you in relation to me right now? Look at the heart of this. God wants to be with them. He actually wants that. He wants to be with them. The Bible shows this again and again. There's actually so many like concrete examples where God is like, and God was with Enoch. God was with Moses. God was with Gideon. God was with Ruth or Samuel or David and so many others. Until I think God's desire to be with us is so strong. He does something that is unimaginable. It's prophesied in the Old Testament. This word surfaces where he is called Emmanuel, which literally is translated God with us. And so he's like, I want to be with you so much, I'm actually going to physically do that. And he comes in the second person of the Trinity, in Jesus Christ. And while he is with us, he opens up his mouth, and with us he says these words from John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Did you know this, that apart from me, you can do what? Apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm the vine. You're the branches. I want to be with you. I've actually come in the flesh. Now I'm with you. And while I'm with you, I'm saying this, vine and branches. 
You can do nothing without me. This is the connection that I want. Glued to you. Drawing life from me. Bearing fruit from me. There's a fellow by the name of Lawrence who said, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to live my life. Lawrence was his name. I'm going to do that very thing. Vine and branches. I'm going to be with God. Like, my life will be that. So he set off on this life to do this. He wrote a book about it. The book is over 300 years old. It's one of the most read books in all of English literature outside of the Bible. The book was called Practicing the Presence of God. Do you know what Lawrence did for a living? He must have been an incredible guy. Do you know what his education, his title, his reputation was? Was he a seminarian? Was he a professor? Maybe he was a great minister of a great church. By human standards, I'll tell you what he was. He washed dishes for a living. And there's nothing wrong with washing dishes for a living. But a dishwasher said, I'm going to practice the presence of God. I'm going to do vine and branch in my life. Where I'm just with God and God is just with me. I'm going to be present with God. And what I would say to you is, it simply does not matter what your station is in life is. What about you? How could you be present with God? Today, right now, this afternoon, this evening, what about when you wake up tomorrow morning? How could you be present with God? In the middle of this world that is in such a hurry, in the middle of all of this technology and rapid changing beliefs and ideas, how could you find the Jesus way to live? Tomorrow morning when you wake up, I want you to ask yourself this question. How many moments in my life today can I fill with a conscious awareness of and surrender to God's presence? I've been doing this for about eight weeks now. It has been transformative for me. How many moments in this given day can I fill with the conscious awareness and surrender to God's presence? I've been driving my car and just saying, I'm with Jesus right now. I've been at work, behind my desk, figuring life and just, I'm with Jesus right now. I've been at home, pulling a dinner together, kids going around, noise, all that, and I'm just going, I'm with Jesus right now. It's been radically transformational for me. Imagine yourself right now, like tomorrow, tomorrow morning, at home, in the car, online, at work, watching the news, the most ordinary moments where you're deliberately thinking, God is with me in this classroom right now. God's presence is with me while this rude person is interrupting me. God's presence is with me right now when that's happening. God lives in me when I'm stuck in traffic. Regardless of whatever it is that you're doing, you're saying, I believe that God is with me. And God, I simply want to say to you, thank you for your love. Thank you for being with me right now. So I dare you. I double dog <laughs> dare you. Go ahead. How many days have you lived in your life? Hundreds, thousands of days. Do one different. Try it. Practice the presence of God. Take a swing at the ball here and see what happens to your this afternoon and your tomorrow. Super practical. This afternoon, when you're in a, feeling impatient or you're in a bad mood or you're in a hurry, you're not going to want to do this, but go for it. 
Just practice the presence of God. What if you just said to yourself, what about the next two hours of my life? I can live with God, or I can like be aware that God exists, but I'm really just living my next two hours without God. I'm just going to do my thing and think my thing and, and go where I want to go and do what I want to do. I can live them with God or without God. I can feel stressed and by myself. I can be angry and impatient. I can feel sorry for myself. I can think people are a pain in the neck. Or I could do those two hours with God. For the next two hours, I'm going to recognize that I'm not running the universe. I'm not going to worry about planet Earth. God, I'm going to help you. Here's my to-do list. I've got to get some stuff done here. How about I do my to-do list with you, God? Would you, do, would you do that with me? Maybe just the next two hours, me and my father will practice being present together. There's a man by the name of Frank Laubach, and he imagined a question. I love this. He's like, what if God um, is thinking this question? Like, so this is like pure imaginary. What if he looks at every one of us and he asks, I wonder how far this man or this woman will allow me to carry them for the next hour? What a fascinating question. That God would be thinking that. I wonder what this man, what this woman, if they will allow me to carry them just for the next hour. I wonder if they'll let me do that. That God would be imagining such a thing. So I want you to think about just one hour that you have coming up this week. Particularly if you're aware of an hour that's coming your way that's probably going to be a difficult hour. Maybe a confrontation. Maybe you have a bill to pay. Maybe you need to have some words with somebody, a tough conversation. Maybe you want to give somebody some advice or you need to listen to somebody. And you would say, I'm going to practice the presence of God in a very deliberate lay, uh, way, in a way that God actually carries me through that hour. He's the vine. I'll be a branch. Let's try that. Three statements I want to leave you with. Number one, God wants to make every moment of my life glorious in His presence. Thank you, God, for that. That's crazy that God would want to do that for you and I. He wants to make every moment of your life glorious. Like, I'm talking like beauty, splendor, wonder, magnificence. God's not trying to get you to live some life where, like, you'll never, like, everything's going to be perfect and you're never going to make another mistake. And it's not so much that as so much He wants to take you by the hand and say, let's share this hour together. Would you focus on me? Would you enjoy me? Would you abide with me? Would you listen to me? Psalm 18, look at the verbs in this. It says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. I will set the Lord before me. There's something for you to do. I'm going to set the Lord before me. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Do you see the activity for the follower of Christ in those verses? So what does obedience look like? First of all, we have an awareness of this hurried state, this distracted condition inside of us, and then we move to a place where we say, I'm going to practice the presence of God, and how do I do that? Well, I'm going to set God before me. I'm going to take captive thoughts. I'm going to make them obedient. Holy Spirit, help me to move and operate in this divine 
gift that you would have for me. Take captive my thoughts. This hour, this moment of my life, I'm going to be gloriously in the presence of God in the middle of a hard conversation. That's a different way to live. That's a different Monday than you are probably thinking Monday is going to look like. It's a different way to wash dishes. It's a different way to raise children. It's a different way to sell insurance. It's a different way to be a husband or a wife or a good friend or pay a mortgage or try to combat disobedience and sin in your life. That's a different way to do it. It's a, to do that in the presence of God. Secondly is this, to become present. The best place to start doing this is in the very small moments of your life. I've been to the Grand Canyon twice. You're like, oh my gosh, God is right here with me. Have you watched the sun go down over Lake Michigan? And don't get me wrong, those, those moments are great. Enjoy those moments. But I've been to the Grand Canyon twice in my life. I have a million other moments that are far more routine and regular, and so do you. This is where you find God. Most of our life is not thrilling roller coaster rides. You and I both know there's plenty of normal, plenty of routine and mundane. Dropping off the kids, getting the groceries, driving to work, meeting with your boss, having lunch. God, in those moments, I want to be present with you. Number three, to be present rather than distracted. People will look different when I see them with God. They really will. People will look different when you're carrying the presence of God, when you see them in the context of the presence of God. Ever get to that moment where you're like, God, thank you for all the people, but I've had enough of the people. <laughs> people are great, but no, I'm all done. Thanks very much. <laughs> That's enough. How you get along with people says a whole lot about how you'll get along with God. These two commandments, love God, love people. You can't do, well, I'm going to love God a whole lot, but not so much the people. I just don't know that it works like that. In fact, 1 John says you're a liar if you do that. It's harder to hate people when you're in the presence of God. It's just harder. It's harder to be intolerant of annoying people, annoying people when you are consciously aware, I am in the holy presence of God. It's harder to do that. I'm with God. You're with God. So now the way I am with people is going to be different. It must be different in terms of how I treat people to a person who's not in the presence of God, who knows nothing about the presence of God. Surely my treatment of people and my being around people should be starkly different to people who know nothing of being with Him. Living in the present, setting the Lord before you, taking captive thought to Christ in the normal, mundane, routine practicing his presence, literally saying to yourself, in this moment, God is with me. Oh, thank you, God, for that. And when you start the habit of being present with God, it just changes how you see people. You're with this really annoying person. You're like, shoot, I can't be annoyed with them anymore because I'm just experiencing God right now. Some person in church, you don't even like them. You're like, shoot, I have to be nice to them now. Because I'm experiencing the presence of God. My colleague who hates God, hates church, snaps at me every chance they get. I'm aware 
that I'm in the presence of God and therefore I'm carrying the presence of God and therefore in front of this person who wants to just bark at me, I'm actually representing the presence of God. Now you have to treat this person entirely different. People look different when you see them with God. So two things I want to leave with you right now. Two things. You ready for this church? <laughs> Are you ready for this church? You're going, to be, you're going to regret so much that you just said that. Here's the first one. It's going to be a shocker. It's really practical. First one. Don't touch your phone for the rest of the day. Audible gasps. For some of you, you're like, who cares? For the rest of the 90% of you, that is huge. I dare you. Have I already double, double dog dare you? Triple dog dare you. Don't touch your phone for the rest of the day. I don't even want you on the community church app. Somebody texts you for prayer, ghost them. Figure it out. Figure it out yourself, buddy. I'm being present. That's terrible. Okay. Here's what I'm saying. Man, your normal afternoon, you're going to be diving into Discord and Pokemon Go and playing solitaire, and you're going to be... You're, that's, what, that's what we're doing. It's constant. Constant. I'm going to be texting. I'm going to be texting me back. Just put it away. Turn it off. Stick it in your pocket. I'm not saying you can't answer a phone call. If somebody needs you, that's fine. But what I'm saying is put it down. One day. Secondly, I want you walking out of here getting on with the rest of your day with this loud, stark, conscious awareness that you are in the presence of God. I don't deserve to be in His presence. I don't. I want a tenderness in you. I'm in the presence of God. I have no in and of myself, like there's no standing here. I don't get, how can I be in his presence? Look at what he's done. I'm in the presence of God. I want you walking out the doors with his loud, stark, conscious awareness. Somebody like me, somebody like you, man, I'm in the presence, the holy presence of God. Driving out of this parking lot in Alma, driving out in your car, getting on with the rest of your day, eating your lunch with God, with your family, with your friends, in the presence of God. Bumping into problems in the presence of God. In pain in the presence of God. Waking up tomorrow morning. Listen to these two things. Waking up tomorrow morning. Thank you for being present with me, God, at the start of this day. Start your day like that. Thank you, God, for being present with me at the start of this day. Secondly, how many moments in my life today can I fill with the conscious awareness and surrender to the presence of God? I'm going to set the Lord before me. I'm going to take captive my thoughts. I'm going to make them obedient to His presence. Watch what it will do as you unsubscribe from being distracted to being present. We're in His presence right now. You're in His presence right now. Would you stand in the holy presence of God and let's worship Him.